Hey, Bob Beans, it's your boy Riz, and welcome to episode four of Riz Radio. This episode of Riz Radio is presented by Betting Gods. Betting Gods provides a range of tips and picks for a variety of different sports, including basketball, soccer, NFL, and a whole lot more. With the Preakness coming up, the Kentucky Derby last weekend in Belmont just around the corner, do not go in blind as I did in the Kentucky Derby, but on the favor and unfortunately lost. So if you did that, as I'm sure many people did, go sign up at bettinggods.com for free picks. Check out their paid picks for what we hope to be some heavy winners. Uh, NFL's around the corner. Basketball's in full effect with the playoffs coming up, and, and horse racing season is at its peak. So go to bettinggods.com for free picks and visit Betting Gods on Twitter. All right, episode four of Riz Radio. I welcome on Andrew Goldberg, and, and I've done a lot of interviews across a lot of different podcasts with a variety of people, and he, I can say with somewhat confidence that it was the favorite interview I've ever done. His insight in, in what to be considered his realm of expertise was somewhat unmatched. He, he knew exactly what he was talking about. The conversation was great, and he made some really good points and gave some really good insight into uh, a, a realm and a hobby that not a lot of people are really familiar with, which is sports cards. And we even talked a little bit about crypto, investing long-term Pokemon cards. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy, even if you're not in the hobby, uh, give it a chance, right? You can learn a lot. Like I said in the trailer, this is a, this is a podcast of trial and error. Uh, see what you like, what you don't like. And, and you could find yourself really, really taking an interest in a new, into a new hobby or, or, or a new anything, whether it be reading sports cards or anything like that. And I appreciate if you guys do. Uh, as always, give it a five-star review. Subscribe, please. It helps greatly. For a few other announcements, I've teamed up with my bookie bet. You'll hear a lot more about that in the middle of this episode. And I'm also joined Low Kick MMA for the summer. I'll be back on the keys there. So keep eyes on all of that. I appreciate you guys listening. Here's my interview with Andrew. Host of Lucas Tigers and Bronze Oh My, creator of the Luca Nation Network, sport card collector Andrew Goldberg. Welcome to the program. Dude, Riz, I appreciate you having me. Thank you. How was, how was that intro? You like that? I think you're doing an amazing job. It's like you're a professional. You're on your way to be Larry King. That's what I like to hear, man. All right. Um, I've been wanting to get somebody that's into the sports card world uh, on this and, and really just hear their thoughts on some of the things that, that uh, me and my friends talk about that are in the hobby. And and, and like I said, I, I really appreciate your time. Let's uh, Let's go back to last year. Maybe a little bit before that, it could have been well before that for you. But when did you personally realize sports cards were, were really popping off in the mainstream? Uh, I grew up collecting sports cards, but when I realized that you could make money on sports cards was last uh, last January. Like almost the first week in January of 2020 was when I got back into it with the, the sole purpose of like, this is going to be fun. I love sports and I think I could make some money on it too. I, I'm with you there, and, and like you said, basically the same thing for me. I, I I collected, you know, went to the sports card shows, the local ones, even the ones you know a few hours away with my dad and my brother, and and we collected as a kid. But like you said, it was around last year where you really realized that that there's some serious money, short term and long term, to be made in the hobby as a whole. So l- let me ask you. I've had a lot of friends contact me that have never you know been in sports cards before, even in the past few months, even last year asking, you know, what to buy into? And it's such a loaded question. If someone were to come up to you and say, you know, give me one sport to invest in, what would be what would be the route you would give them? Well, uh, it's funny. So, like, my, my buddy here, he's uh, he just joined me. I'm living in Tulum. I've been living in Mexico for about a year now since COVID started. Uh, and he just started his sabbatical. And he's the last guy in the world that I would have ever thought would join the hobby or even consider buying a card. Uh, and he grew up co- collecting Pokemon, and he 
you know, he asked me also, like, what what's one card that you would buy or one sport? And truthfully, I mean, it's a loaded question because you know that the answer to that question is go and do your own research because it's not just about buying the card. It's about knowing when to sell the card too. Um, the card he actually ended up going with that I think is a great play because I always like to add value to the community and I don't just want to be here like, hey, go and do your own research. We went with something that's a blue chip, a guy with upside potential, but it's already proven. The reason I think that's important is because when you come into the hobby, you don't want your first experience to be like, man, I just blew all my, my entire two, three, five hundred dollars uh, on a on a really big skeptical play. So we went with Kawhi Leonard. We went with the 2012 Prism set. 2012 Prism is an incredibly iconic set. It's the first Prism set. Uh, there's amazing rookies from that class. And then you have Kawhi. Kawhi is someone that, yeah, he might not have the same fan base as some other guys, but he's won championships on two teams. He has a chance to do it in L.A. He's a proven winner. There's not a ton he's going to do to hurt his brand either. So we went with a Kawhi Leonard PSA 9 uh, rookie card from 2012 Prism. I love the Kawhi play. I haven't actually bought any Prism, but just his base Panini, I think, is a uh, wildly underpriced, just compared to some of the uh, some of the other guys that that are that are in the league right now. So I love that. So would you? One of my friends asked me. He, he's he's into baseball, right? And he said, "What do you think baseball cards do?" And I said, "Well, I think the outlook for the NBA is a little bit." richer i guess you could say than the outlook of the mlb just for fan base cards everything like that do you think that's a do you think that's a shared sentiment across the hobby i mean it, it depends if you could give me more context it would help but like they, the, in baseball right they have this guy named jared Kilinick. yeah Kilinick. i think i messed up his name but he got called up uh or he, i think he's on the verge of getting called up well on a platform like Starstock, for example which allows you to day trade uh, baseball's, you know, I'm not going to say as popular as basketball, but it's nowhere near the discrepancy that people think. So I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity in baseball. Also, people need to understand the history. Baseball kind of started all this. They're called baseball cards for a reason in a lot of ways. So uh, I think there's actually more opportunity in baseball because if you really watch the sport, you understand the prospects. You could get into players for one, two, three, four dollars, really, really cheap, and you would know that they're going to be called up in the next year or two. Well, you're going to profit quite a bit. So I actually think there's more opportunity in baseball, even though it's not as flashy as NBA. Gotcha. Yeah, and like you said, the low buy-in for baseball. Maybe a few years ago, I was at a, a show in, in Chantilly, Virginia, and there was a dime box. All baseball prospects, all Bowman drift and, and Bowman prospects, and there was Tatis in there. There was you know, Kyle Lewis, guys that, you know, like you said, you're going to you're gonna 20x your money when you're buying them for a dime if they pan out, which there, there's no really risk there, and there's a ton of there's a ton of upside, so it was a good point. Let's talk about that. I mean, that you just gave an amazing example. I love talking to people like you, Riz, because you know your stuff. Kyle Lewis. Dude, Kyle Lewis was like a 25-year-old rookie last year in August, and it was actually my co-host's play. We do a daily episode where we give kind of like a watch list to play. He was like, Kyle Lewis is starting off really, really well. He's on his way to be AL Rookie of the Year. He's 25 years old, so he's not your typical rookie. That's an amazing play. That play, you could have had that guy for two – you could have probably got that guy, that guy for a dollar, two dollars, three dollars a card. And when he got to AL Rookie of the Year, that was a $20 card. So uh, that's a great example, man. It's a for really sure. good example. 
So, in, in you know, we're talking dollar, two dollar, three dollar. Let's let's kind of go on the complete other side of the spectrum. Michael Jordan, PSA rookie. I did want to talk about this. It was you know obviously I, I don't know if that's the the prominent card in in collecting, but over last year with quarantine and then the, the last dance, it definitely became you know the the card to 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 have if you're a big basketball fan. Red hot in February. It's definitely cooled off a bit. Do you think that card? And, and cards in general, because, you know, I definitely say they would have peaked around February and then have come down a little bit. Do you think right now they're at what they should be at? Or do you think they'll go back up just in due time? So the, the, the cool thing about the Jordan card is it kind of serves as like this bellwether card of the hobby, right? A bellwether card is just like a leader, an indicator of trends. So, you know, when the Jordan card goes up, it kind of has this uh, rubber band effect on a lot of other cards, especially in the NBA market. But but you saw, like, I mean, this behavior, the way the, the Jordan card moves, it's actually really historically similar to what it was doing years ago. Maybe not as volatile, but it, it does this a lot. So, uh, like, let's take the last dance, for example. That card went up to $40,000 for a PSA 10 last May when the last dance came out. And after last dance was over, uh, you saw a drop. You saw a drop back down to 25, 30K. And the reason that happens is because the people that have bought into that card for 10, 15K see an opportunity to sell and double their profit, even triple their profit. So what you see is what's called a supply shock. You see a lot more sellers on the market. Well, what happens is when people come up and buy up that supply, now they're buying at 40,000, 35,000, 30. Well, they're not going to sell at the new high of 50. They're going to hold. And then you see that run up. So this like ebb and flow of the Jordan card has happened time and time again, because every time it sets a new high, you see more supply on the market, uh, which causes a slight decrease in price. It's like correction, right? It's, it might be 20, 30%. In this case, it was 50, 55%. Uh, and maybe there's some other factors included there as well, because it ran up like crazy. And who even knows the 750 sales, uh, how those worked. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's always done this. And I guess is the question, the question is, would you buy in at this price? I think we're near a floor on that Jordan because most of the people holding that Jordan, well, the people that have bought it at 350, 300, you know, 400, they're not going to be selling it at this low. They're just going to be holding it because they know they're holding the greatest of all time in basketball and the bellwether card. So I think it's just a natural cycle. I really, I really believe that. I think you hit it spot on. Like you said, in this this hobby, it's so important. Like you said, not to just know when to buy, but when to sell. I uh, Maybe last July, I bought a, a complete set 86-87 uh, Fleer basketball. Jordan was a PSA 7, and, and, and I got it for a pretty good price. And the Jordan... Nice buy. Nice yeah, buy, brother. Yeah, I, I got it. Great price. The Jordan PSA 7, when it was all said and done in the set, I think I got it for about four grand. And the the... the the card got up to. I remember checking at the Super Bowl. Me and my buddies had a watch party. It was at fifteen grand, and and there was part of me that said, I don't know how much higher this card can get. And now you kind of see it drop back down to at least for the seven. It's around eight grand right now. And like you said, I'm just gonna hold it because you're not holding a guy that's that's gonna you know tear his ACL next month. You're holding the the greatest, or I mean, in my opinion, the second greatest basketball player of all time. But that's for a whole new episode. But but like okay, you said, who's first? No, you can't do that. Who's first? <laughs> I'm a LeBron guy, uh, through and through. But, oh, you know, my God. Riz. <laughs> I, I'm, I, look, I, uh, I I get a lot of heat from from my uh, 
from some some of my friends and my even my dad and my uncle but uh yeah i've uh i've been on that bandwagon for a while and i'm not gonna I'm not gonna go off now especially now but well you can't i mean you gotta go down with the ship i mean oh you, yeah you're gonna make that bold of a claim i got roasted so i made a post we made a post this week uh sorry to, to take you off topic but like no, no, no. I, I made a post for, and it was from an episode right so we have a content team they clipped it i didn't even know but I was talking about Tim Duncan versus LeBron. And if you're a GM, who would you pick to start your uh, your team? And I said, LeBron doesn't – like, name one guy who LeBron's made better, who's finished his career better. I was talking in that context. And we put that clip out. We got, like, 200 comments. People were destroying me. They were so upset. They were so upset. So I, I love it. I love the discussion. I think the beauty is it – you know, is LeBron really better than Jordan? Well, at what? You know, they're different players. But I think there is a beauty of the discussion and the, and analyzing it. I, I love it. So I don't blame you for being a LeBron fan. <laughs> well, you, you say you say LeBron, but, I mean, I, I look, Jordan better than LeBron, LeBron better than Jordan, whatever. But when you bring it back to cards, the LeBron rookie, I mean, if do you agree that that's one of the most underpriced cards on the market? Before we hear Andrew's answer to this question... Baseball and basketball seasons are long, and with up to 400 potential matches a month, you can make each and every one matter by having skin in the game with MyBookie.ag. Whether you're placing a wager on your favorite team, player, or just looking for kicks, MyBookie gives you the best odds and tons of options to make all your favorite sports a hell of a lot more exciting. Bet on UFC, take advantage of odds on UFC 262 this upcoming weekend, or hit up MyBookie Casino for the full-fledged experience where weekly blackjack tournaments give you and your friends a crack at a prize pools of up to $50,000. Go to MyBookie.ag, sign up now, and use our promo code BOBEANS to get your first deposit match up to $1,000. Let them know we sent you, so use our promo code BOBEANS. It's B-O-B-E-A-N-S. To get that free deposit bonus and start your day off with a win, bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Go to Riz MMA on Twitter if you want to be updated on UFC 262 promos we have going on this weekend. And now back to our interview with Andrew. That's a loaded question, brother. And I, I can see why you're good at this because you asked the right questions. Uh, you you got to understand it's it's a card that was a thousand dollars maybe just twenty four months ago. 30 months ago. So to say it's underpriced when it's gone 24x is difficult. But at the same time, I think it doesn't have a tremendous amount of upside. I do believe so because I think with all this new money coming into the hobby, well, who are people going to be chasing? They're going to be chasing the guy who's the third generational greatest of all time, which is LeBron to a lot of people. And you're going to be getting a card that is basically his go to card, which is the Chrome. So I do believe that card has a tremendous amount of upside. I don't know if it's underpriced per se today, but I think it has a ton of upside. All right. So let me let me ask you this. I don't know if you, if you're into any you know other long term investments, but if you are, and even if you aren't, you probably have a good idea on them. What would you say out of stocks, cryptocurrency, and sports cards? Would you say is the best long term investment? I said it this year, and people thought it was crazy. But you got to remember, man, I, uh, I've i been in cryptocurrency or Bitcoin, not from an investment standpoint, but my I, I just got very fortunate. After college, I moved to Silicon Valley. Uh, I joined a startup. And what we did was we did ID verification, okay, using the camera. And our first client, ironically, was Coinbase. So I've been in crypto and studying crypto and learning about it and just curious about it for a long time. And I said, at the beginning of this year, I said, the safest investment 
And how I how I analyze a good investment isn't just the potential upside. Like a lot of people are like Dogecoin is the best investment because it's gone up the most. Well, the, you also have to weigh that for risk. So what I said was Bitcoin. And, and I think that Bitcoin has two factors going for it that uh, other cryptocurrencies don't. And you kind of when you talk about crypto, you lump Bitcoin into it. But I think Bitcoin is ha head and shoulders a different beast. And there's two things. The number one thing is when you're investing, you have to solve for supply and demand, right? With cards, supply and demand. You don't necessarily know the supply. You don't know the demand. Same thing with assets, just about every asset. With Bitcoin, you know the exact supply. You know the exact supply. It's set. Now you only have to solve for demand. And it's obvious to me that the demand for Bitcoin is increasing. Like I went home back to Philly the other day and I saw these Bitcoin ATMs at Crown Chicken. That happened in a span of a year. And that means just your average guy and gal could go to like a Crown Fried Chicken or a Wendy's. They deposit cash and they get Bitcoin sent to their ATM, making it insanely, insanely accessible. And the second thing is it's been widely regarded as a hedge for inflation. So I don't know if, if people know this, but like in the last 12 months, the Federal Reserve has printed over 40 percent of total U.S. currency. So let me say again, in the last 12 months, the U.S. Fed has printed 40% of the total supply of the US dollar out there. So what's going to happen? We all know what happens. When supply increases, it devalues an asset. So they're devaluing the dollar. And Bitcoin, as a result, is used as a hedge on inflation. So to me, this is a no-brainer, the best long-term investment. That doesn't mean it can't go back down to 30, 25. The best long-term investment to me is Bitcoin, bar none. Wow. See, like, I 100% I, I agree with you. It's just crazy to think that something, I mean, it's been on your radar, like you said, for a while, but something that's just popped up on some people's radar, it could have been as recent as this week, right, is going to be such a big factor in long-term investing. I think it's so fascinating. I think it's, I think it's honestly just really cool. But the one thing I didn't ask you with those three long-term investments is Pokemon cards. And I did want to get your opinion on that. And where do you think that kind of falls into to all of this? There's a few things. I try not to talk about things a ton that, like, I don't know about. So, like, I was never a Pokemon collector. I didn't play Pokemon. So I don't have that nostalgic appreciation for the brand. I grew up playing sports. I grew up playing soccer. I played soccer at Drexel. Um, so I don't know. I always loved basketball. Uh, that being said, we had a guy named Jeremy Padauer on. And guys, if you're listening to this, uh, I highly recommend just going on Instagram and shooting Jeremy Padauer uh, a DM. He's one of the most accessible, kindest guys in the hobby. And he's a big Pokemon collector. And he actually was the guy who bought the complete first edition set for like 110, 120,000, uh, which now looks like a complete steal given the Zard sells for more than that. But he talks about Pokemon as being this global brand and a four to five billion dollar a year business. Uh, he talks about Pikachu a lot and how that's probably one of the most, if not the most recognizable piece of intellectual property out there. Like you could go anywhere in the world and people know that's a Pikachu. So even though I don't necessarily understand it, I would be a fool to not realize the value of that brand from a global perspective. So I'm a big believer in Pokemon. Pokemon to me seems like, you know, if you look at stocks and equities, but Pokemon to me is like a bond, you know, it, it's a much safer investment. It's not going to be as volatile. It's not going to have the highs and the lows, 
uh, especially if we're kind of separating that Zard out because that Zard has become kind of like a piece of art. Uh, to me, it's, it's, it's the safest investment in the trading card world. Uh, maybe not the most upside, but I certainly believe in the brand long term. So, and, and, and another interesting point to, to, to point out with Pokemon, you you have a guy, and I don't know if you follow him, I'd, I'd imagine you, you at least know Logan Paul. I mean, he's such a such a big part for the younger community for Pokemon. And I, I don't think sports cards necessarily have that. They have celebrities getting into it, but I don't think they have somebody doing these mega breaks on YouTube that have, you know, 13 million viewers. Do you think there could be someone that comes in the sports card similar to how Logan Paul came into Pokemon and really amp it up for the younger generation? Yes, but it could also backfire. Like, here's the thing, man. I like it, but I also don't like people like influencers coming into the hobby just for clout. It's kind of annoying. So it depends what the intention is, because if the intention is to grow the grow the hobby, grow the popularity, do something that he really genuinely enjoys and he did as a kid, great. If he's doing it for like a money grab, like you see with NFTs, man, a lot of people are going to be releasing their own NFTs with no value to the audience, with no even thoughtfulness about like what's the end consumer getting in return. And it's all me, me, me. Well, that's going to rub people the wrong way and that could have adverse effects. I'm with you on that big time. You you would hope somebody. Uh, I'll I'll be honest. I am a fan of Logan Paul. I, I really wasn't. You know, I knew who he was before all this, but I I really kind of like what he's done with Pokemon. You would hope he wouldn't be doing it for clout, but you know that's just obviously that's our outside opinion. You never know what's what's really going on behind the scenes. But um, the the interest of uh, the people that really listen to this is mixed martial arts and and UFC cards are, are going off. The Prism just came out. I'm buying John Jones's first Prism card for less than twenty dollars all day long his rookie for for 70 bucks all day long because i think he i think it's wildly underpriced do you have any any you know tips or 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 outlooks on ufc cards as a whole my co-host certainly does he actually you know before we teamed up he was he he was like an og uh ufc card collector and there's two things with I mean panini is gonna panini released um prism this year with ufc and conor mcgregor cards were really sought after so i mean the market is the market and, and second is top shot nba top shot which is a collectible also has ufc so they all they have that license i'm not a huge ufc guy so i don't know but without a doubt ufc is is, is a global brand and I, I could definitely see ufc cards catching on before i let you go you, you brought up another interesting point a top shot what what's your what's your thoughts on that Five years from now, do you think it's still? Do you think it's still in play? Do you think it gets you know withered out by something new? What, what do you think that that five year outlook on Top Shot is? That's a that's a loaded question, man. And it's interesting because there's two things, right? Like it boomed so quickly and it's fallen off a little bit. So there's that aspect, but there's also the aspect of the team behind it, right? Like uh, you could invest in the idea, but you could also invest in the founding team. And, and this founding team has been around since 2016 when they launched CryptoKitties. And if you listen to Roham, and I know Jacob, some of the guys also there, you know, they're very smart. They're very thoughtful about how they run their business. So, you know, the last few months, they've been doing a really good job of listening to the community. They've kind of pumped the brakes on the marketing and the promotion of it. And they've gone behind the scenes to kind of build the foundation of the business. 
So from that angle, I'm a believer. But it's also hard because I was talking to Cage today, my co-host, and he, he brought up a great point. You know, what if the NBA teams who are the private entities end up doing their own NFTs, right? They have every right to do that. And a big part of an NFT is like the utility that's attached to it. So like, for example, if you own a LeBron Top Shot moment, uh, maybe a very iconic one, do you get a chance to meet him after a game? Or do you get game-worn shoes? Or are you, do you get like a shout out from LeBron on his IG? You know, depending on what, what NFT you own, there's that added layer of utility where it could be access, meeting the player, whatever. Well, that's a good idea, but why would the teams and the players do that for Tapshot when they could do it on their own? They could launch their own NFT and take more of the pie for themselves. So, you know, it could go either way. It could really go either way. I, I see what you're saying, but for me, I mean, I, I feel like I'm somewhat old school. I mean, I'm only 20 years old, but it, there is something about it being a tangible item, right? Something about holding the card in your hand rather than just having it, you know, as an NFT or as some sort of, you know, just just online variation of a card. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you think that's, I mean, you're more in this hobby than I am. Do you think that's sought after uh, or agreed upon in the hobby or do you think people are, are, are open to the shift? Well, cards have a lot of issues with them. Like, for example, when you buy a card on eBay, it takes a week or a week and a half to get to you, right? You, eBay's changing this, but you also have the option to return it in 30 days. Well, that's a really terrible process. First off, like you have to pay for shipping and taxes, even though it's treated like an asset or a commodity, right? You're buying a good, so you're paying sales tax. And then you have uh, shipping. It could get tr uh, damaged in transit, it could get lost in transit. We've seen all of that. So it's a very friction friction full process when you get nfts sure it's like it's just a clip of lebron dunking for example well your picture is just a photo of lebron missing a shot in a preseason game so like that rookie card the tops chrome card that's a that's a preseason game where lebron missed the shot actually i, I don't know if a lot of people know that but the point is we've always been collectors at heart we've always collected things and i don't think we actually care about the thing that we collect we care about the feeling it gives us so if a, if a moment could give us that feeling or a card could give us that feeling, it's irrelevant. It's just, do I believe that this will hold value? And is this something that is makes me nostalgic or makes me feel a certain type of way?